Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of Jen and Millie, where <laughs> where two people <laughs> get together. Okay, wait a minute. I know it. I know it. Just give me a second. <laughs> episode 86 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Wow, there you go. Did Perfect. I get it? You got it the second time. Did I really? After stumbling, yeah. Yeah, I can memorize if I, yeah. I mean, I'm a theater person. I, I used know, to have yeah, to memorize like lines. lines all the yeah. time. Yeah. But I had to like get in it because I got, this is great learning. I got too far in my head and I was out of my heart. And I paused for a second and got in my heart and just closed my eyes and went, got there it. There you go. You got it. You got it. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, How are I'm you, Tess? 86. You know, I'm doing well. There's a lot happening in my life. I made that com or I made the comment and then I like qualified it with like everyone has a lot going on you know when I was talking with someone earlier today and they were like um but you have a few more things than most people happening in your life and so acknowledge that you know you're moving your entire life and so it's a lot more than most people have when there's a run of the mill oh I have things to do today <laughs> you are um slightly inundated with a lot of think abouts um, I know that you are looking at me when I'm doing this, but I'm trying to find the volume on my headphones. <laughs> and I can't find it. You know, I'm trying to figure out, like, we, like groping your headset. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there it is. Okay. <laughs> better? Yes, I'm better. I wish people could see us sometimes. And if you come to conference, you can. You can. Because we'll be doing a Jenna Millie, a Jenna Millie live with an in-person studio audience but I was searching for where my volume is on these really awesome headphones that not only are sound canceling and beautiful and great and they are very clear I can move all around with them mm -hmm. so I can set up my Spotify and dance all over if I want to um, but most but I can't my record player is old enough to not be able to hook up digitally Sure. But if I if I could, I would. That was actually a prescription ordered by my friend Jeremy that I mm -hmm. plug into my record player and yeah, wow. and listen. So yes, you do have a lot going on. Um, we're going to talk about a few things today that affect mm -hmm. the overall state of the American workplace. But I also think that we should talk about the state of Tess and the state of Allison. Okay. If you had to give, you know, your three or four sentence explanation. I also have some really, not for this time, but for next, some really, really great questions about um, how you describe yourself. I was asked to describe myself recently. I described myself as a recovering caretaker who mm -hmm. is just learning how to take care of herself. Oh, dang, that's good. Ooh. Accurate. Oof, very accurate. accurate and very well said. Hashtag communication. Um, <laughs> I also, we, okay, so I'm doing this workshop, which I need to just tell you about, like, more so offline, and maybe we'll talk about it on a future Jen and Millie, but it's called Finding Freedom, White Women Acknowledging Their Own White Supremacy. And so it's an incredible workshop, and um, I just started it this week. It's five weeks. We have prep work we have reflection work we have small groups and we have high five buddy partners one-on-one -on -one buddy partners and so there's like all of this stuff with this like virtual workshop that like you have to do ahead of time like you were assigned a partner given your background your small reflection groups are based on your geopolitical location um all of this incredible content it's specifically designed i think there's one person that identifies as biracial but everyone else is white like it's specifically designed for white people to acknowledge white supremacy and deal with their own white supremacy and so just as absolutely incredible incredible workshop so far and I already have so many things that I want to share with you about facilitating and like that you could think about like incorporating into new mentor training and stuff knowing that you're going to do a lot of that virtually and also I just it's an incredible workshop and you should just attend um but um but one of the things that we did I'm um, speaking of describing ourselves is every um every session we have to rename ourselves based on something that like something specific based on a prompt and so this time we had to rename ourselves and put our the name of our favorite river 
in the prompt talking about life flowing like a river and beginnings and ends and knowing that this is the beginning and it was just like this whole metaphor and then when we broke into small groups eventually we kind of like helped identify or like shout out each other's like um rivers and things like that but it was interesting so every every session there's something specific that we have to um we have to like rename ourselves as and it was just one of the the neat things but um but anyway so speaking of description and then another thing that i wanted to share is we are recording this episode on june 17th of 2021 and so two days from now is juneteenth and um what i love about we we did an episode a while back about um kind of in the wake of protests in the wake of george floyd a a really great conversation about um, racism and acknowledging systemic racism and so i just want to take a moment to pause in this space here to say happy juneteenth um juneteenth not many people Mm -hmm. know or acknowledge um for people who have been systemically oppressed in the United States, specifically people who are black identifying and African-American, um, Juneteenth is the true Independence Day. It is the date that despite two years prior, the Emancipation Proclamation was declared and signed in executive order by President Abraham Lincoln. It took two years for that message, over two years, because that was in January. And so it was, and, and you know, June 19th is the date that um, Uh, military forces eventually came to the very last known areas and they happened to be in the state of Texas where slaves were being held even though it had been made illegal to hold slaves two years prior to that and so basically it's this concept that none of us are free until all of us are free Uh, and so and it's just such a beautiful um, concept of solidarity and acknowledging um, the shared experience, right, of, of many individuals um, who have ancestry and heritage, not only in slavery, acknowledging the reality of it um, as, a, as a nation, but also part of it is this call to recognize that, you know, what, what I've really come to find about it and, and what I appreciate is that it's a, a, you know, the reality that it was over two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was declared and signed that the last slave was finally freed. It's a, a reminder that while we might have things written on paper about equality and justice, about inclusion and belonging, unless we infuse that into our culture and our practices in everyday life, it doesn't mean anything, right? It can be on paper, but it's not actually going to change people's lives if we don't practice that, if we don't live by that if we don't implement what we say we do. Like for me, that's integrity. And so what I love about it becoming just a couple days ago, it was um, just on uh, Tuesday, the Senate passed a bill Mm -hmm. uh, to make it a federal holiday. Yesterday, the House um, also passed the bill. And I just received a notification five minutes ago that President Biden signed the bill into law. Um, acknowledging the official end of slavery, what many call the true Independence Day, um, not July 4th, um, but Juneteenth, the true Independence Day, because that one, that is when independence and liberty was given to all people. Um, it is now a federal holiday. So yay, Beautiful. which is huge, right? But I'm also yes. like, okay, this is great, and let's celebrate and acknowledge it, but we can't just like be like, okay, we're finally acknowledging our white supremacy and racism as a culture. Now that people are going to probably have it off in coming years. You know, it's going to be this this marked day in our regular annual cyclical lives. Um, it also needs to be a reminder that there's a long, a long list of things that need to still be corrected and changed to achieve true equity and to really ensure that we um, enact reparations and enact healing and enact these things that are needed for people who even today still feel the effects of racism because of the racial wealth gap because of the opportunity gap because of the access gap things like that and so um anyway so i'll get off my soapbox but we had i love that and an episode about about racism and about protests so i wanted to acknowledge and it's pride it's pride month Mm -hmm. it's pride month and i think that uh, we have done a remarkable job um big kudos to our marketing team to acknowledge that really well Mm -hmm. um in social media for teammates i got to attend a pride event up in avon um over the weekend and was Mm -hmm. just absolutely thrilled to see 
a community embrace its youth, um, got to march in the parade and um, really witness a lot of young people feeling a sense of belonging and feeling loved and supported. Also reminded of a great group um, that I learned about through my friend Danielle from Gretna um, called Free Mom Hugs. And I am looking closer at getting certified in that. I'm very excited about it. Um, it's essentially moms that want to support kids where they are, as they are, how they are, in particular when they don't have that kind of support at home. And then I learned about an organization called Serendipity, where they stand in at weddings when a parent may choose not to be present. Oh, Oh, and I am excited about this. So I have been kind of um, soul longing for what is something I want to get involved in here. And tell me, so I... I think a great celebration um, for me as part of Pride Month was the recognition of what I can do and how I can use some of those natural parts of me to give back. Um, I think being a mom empowers us to, to do that well if we choose to. And my kids have lots of bonus parents, so I would be honored to, to be one too. So. I'm excited about it. So, so awesome. So yay. So yay. Yay for cool. good celebrations. Yay for good celebrations. Yeah. Celebration corner. Um, awesome. Cheer corner. I'm trying to think of an alliterational way to Wow, that seems a little bit rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Cheer yeah, corner? it's like so not me. Um, yeah, it's not. <laughs> no. I was like trying to figure out something that would be like catchy, um, which is also not me. Um, so let's just say good celebrations. Um, good celebrations. Okay. One of the things, though, that I know we wanted to talk about today um, was the fact that just um, just today, or maybe it was last night, depending on what time zone you were in, uh, Gallup released the 2021 State of the Global Workplace Report. It is a beautiful 191-page document outlining all of the research they did in 2020 to understand the workplace, workplace culture. They've done state of the workplace, state of the American workplace. I think they have done some state of the global workplaces prior to this, um, but primarily they do very frequently state of the American workplace, which is what we quote a whole lot. Um, uh, basically with the idea of discovering how employees around the world experienced life and work in 2020. So some of the things they concentrated on were the effects of COVID-19. Uh, employee engagement and life evaluation, daily negative emotions, and environmental social governance. And so I wanted to give a few highlights. I, because this was just released and I found out about it this morning, um, which I think is what it was released. I haven't had the, the most time to dig into it quite yet. So there'll probably be more nuggets that I will drop in further episodes, but already from the executive summary summary and the preliminary, you know, data in the report that I've reviewed, it's pretty fascinating. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about. Um, We know that disengagement is high um, in general in workplaces, um, but it did increase, not surprisingly, in the midst of the pandemic seven in 10 employees are struggling rather than thriving in their own life and 80% are not engaged or actively disengaged in their work. Lack of engagement. Okay, hold up, hold up, mm-hmm. hold up. Hold up. So yeah. this this changes the one third statistic mm-hmm. that we have always used, which has been pretty constant. Mm-hmm. One third of Americans are disengaged at work Americans has been a pretty constant. Though. That's a clarifying point, right? This is a global study. And this is global. Globally, okay. right? So we're, we're talking a little bit of a different perspective, right? So globally, disengagement numbers have been always slightly different than American numbers. And so it's not necessarily the two-thirds, one-third like we normally see. It is 80-20 split. So um, which from their data is a, um, they said it's a 2% increase from the last time they did global. Um, so it's not as drastic of an increase. 80%. Disengaged? Disengaged or actively disengaged. So only 20% of the global workplace is engaged at work. Yeah. Which is much worse than the American workplace, which is where still only a third of Americans are engaged at work. But, which I didn't scroll down to the American-specific part, so I don't know if American disengagement, how that has shifted um, in light of the pandemic, but um, in the light of 2020. But yes, um, that's significant. And then one of the things they really dug into in this report um, 
is the concept of thriving and that's intersection with engagement and historically a lot of their research on engagement and and workplace culture has we talk about well-being right but well-being was kind of its own separate entity um, that would maybe intersect with workplace culture and workplace engagement life engagement right Right. but this report basically if i'm jumping ahead in my notes makes the claim that what is vital to workplaces is actually both employee engagement as well as whole person thriving or well-being thriving i think is what they was trying to find that page well-being thriving is what they say like it is imperative to workplaces that they evaluate both of those among their employees because work is so much a part of our lives and the best kinds of organizations the best workplaces are the ones that care about the whole person um one of the The things that i um that i um that was particularly poignant that i sent to somebody earlier today was a quote from the report that said no well-being program right because it talked a lot about like companies will do like a healthy eating contest and track your steps and things like that no well-being program will be effective until employees can trust their leaders and managers to care about them as people so basically they talked about it and know we've talked about um all of the different points of well-being right that we know it's more than just your career well-being is the word that Gallup uses but your social well-being your financial well-being your physical well-being and your community well-being and what they said is that Mm -hmm. um, you know basically workplaces focus on career well-being and then they have like some catchy fun physical well-being things that they do right but they don't always focus on their community well-being the social well-being nor necessarily the financial well-being and what they said is some of the greatest organizations some of the greatest workplace cultures that came up in this study were ones where they had social financial and community well-being as a high priority they also talked in this in this section of the report about how a lot of that has to do with your generational perspective we know that the workplace is shifting right but millennials and gen zers now that are entering the workplace are very concerned about the ecological and environmental footprint of their company Right, so it matters, and they're evaluating those things. They're evaluating things like companies that have unlimited vacation, right, because they care about balance and they want their employees to thrive. You know, millennials and Gen Zers, well, now millennials are pretty much all in the workplace. They are basically on the workforce. So, Gen Zers that are coming in are emphasizing these themes even more that millennials first started fighting for yes. and shifting the workplace around. And so, I appreciated that. And so, what uh, you know so basically they said the new measure of organizational success is employee engagement plus thriving well-being that it truly is both and you need both in order to be a successful organization because if you're focused on engagement right if you're focused on that element which we know engagement has a lot of impacts in other spaces right but if you're not focused absolutely on all these other areas of well-being right if if you have high engagement you're probably likely to maybe have good social well-being but have you thought about community well-being right it, uh, an employee might be really engaged might have their social financial career and physical well-being taken care of but they're also concerned about how this company the organization that they work for has an effect on the community around it right whether it's partnering and giving paid mentoring leave for their employees or if it's um, partnering with a um, a community garden, um, whether or not it's donating a certain percent of profits back to nonprofits or back to organizations that are working to better the world, so on and so forth, right? Whether or not if they're producing something that, um, you know, what are what are they doing with um, the waste from production, water waste, energy waste, right? Like even sorts of things like that, not just how they give their time and energy, right? But like how they're being responsible stewards um, of what they produce and the byproducts of what they produce. So, you know, absolutely fascinating. Um, So I want to pause for a second and talk a little bit about what the definition of thriving, Mm -hmm. um, because I think our listeners will probably be hearing that word and some of them may think, what does that even mean? Or is that really um, relative to the person? Is that, how is that quantitative? Um, how do they measure it? And mm-hmm. for me, I mean, I know how I would describe thriving. To me, thriving is all five of those pieces of well-being mm-hmm. in alignment. Yep. That's thriving. Mm-hmm. 
So, and one tiny little shift off affects all the others. I distinctly, and always when I think about um, that, the five areas of well-being, I think of my Aunt Meg telling me when my Uncle Mark was very, very sick, and he's a very busy farmer, um, active guy, and he got very, very sick. And I remember my Aunt Meg in the hospital saying to me, when you don't have your health, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think about that in relationship to where we are right now. Like, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot that comes out of COVID post-pandemic well-being in regards to health and wellness. Mm -hmm. Some people went one direction, other people went the other, but we also lost out on preventative care because you couldn't get into your doctor Mm -hmm. and people didn't go to the dentist. And I think there are going to be some long-term effects on the physical well-being aspect that will throw off thriving that we don't even have a handle on yet yeah. to know. But, um, then then also but the other areas too. Mm-hmm. And, and further, one of the things that they talk about is if, you know, knowing that 80% of employees are disengaged or actively disengaged globally, um, you know, it, it says here, I'll read this, and if, if you happen to have downloaded the report, it's on page 15 of the report. It says if 80% of an organization's employees are not engaged at work, the organization's resilience during a crisis will be, will be at high risk. Leaders won't be able to consistently achieve their goals, and there's no way for a leader to be effective when their people aren't even paying attention. And so even like, I mean, that long-term effect, crisis. Right? Like the resiliency crisis is a great revealer. Yes, yes. Yep. I don't yep. think we can say that enough. And, I, and mm-hmm. somehow us saying it as often as we have has stuck mm-hmm. because it comes up a lot. Yep. It comes up a lot in our staff mm-hmm. conversations, comes up in a lot of other dialogues. But you go back to those five areas and your social and your, and your um, career, there many, many humans globally realized they were out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Like they started, look, we were forced into a pause point. I don't know if you read my music notes last week. I was talking about forced pause. Mm-hmm. We were forced into a pause point that we, we had to stop many of the things that we were busily doing mm-hmm. that have forced us to have really serious mirror looks and yeah look around our space and look around our circles and look around our workplace and say, is, is this what I want? Mm -hmm. If I'm going to be stuck at home for a year, is this where I'm going? Is this where I want? I, I think you and I in the coaching that we do have seen significant changes Mm -hmm. in the ways that people show up as to why they want to work with a coach, why they want to have a change in their life. It's because they looked they were forced into a pause Mm -hmm that made them look around and question what's going on here. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think 80% surprises me, but the reason it surprises me is that I'm not one of those. Like I love my work. Mm. Now, I can get stuck in a lot of things, but the work that I do, the work that I do mm. has meaning. Yeah. And purpose. And I've had lots of conversations with people who are like, what's the point of this? What's my purpose? What's my why? What's my legacy? I love that conversation. What's my legacy? Um, And leaders should be listening to what their employees have to say. I mean, we, you and I talked about in the green room, some of these articles that are coming out, including the one that came from the Morgan Stanley CEO. I don't know how I would feel about that if I was one of those humans would I feel like I'm cared about Mm. or would I feel part of mass production and where you are you know when we think about all the things that are happening with you Mm -hmm. I think you know if you're if you listen back which I know you don't but if you listen back you see this with both of us you see this shift of maybe not thriving like unease, oh, yeah. like, mm, I'm, I'm anxious yeah. to, I think you're starting to hear some thriving yeah. because you're, we're settling into the decisions that we made mm-hmm. during a very revealing. odd time to make decisions. Yes. <laughs> a revealing time, but an odd time to make big decisions. Yeah. 
I mean, my big decision was made two and a half years ago. And so I'm like, it was made before, but it was actualized during this time, right? Yes. Where I, I could exactly, say that my, yeah. where right, and what my exactly heart would like. Mm-hmm. Yes, my heart was in Colorado since I've been like yeah. eight years yeah. old. But, yeah. you know, for it to actualize mm-hmm. during a really odd time. Yep. And mm-hmm. then I think the other thing to Tess, when I would love, and I'm sure they won't, but I would love for Gallup to talk about this at some point, is where does gratitude factor into whether a person feels like they're thriving? That's when we are truly grateful um, and have a gratitude practice, yeah. I would think that that would propel us into a state of thriving. thriving it is for me Absolutely. anyway. For sure. for sure. Even even the hard things that got me here mm-hmm. are a huge part of my gratitude. If they would not, if those difficult things would not have happened, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be where I am. And that factors into a lot of how I perceive thriving. Yeah, that's good. Good, yeah. I I think that's great. And it really, Gallup does define it very similarly based on their elements of well-being. One of the specific things that they do, which I know we've talked about this concept, but I don't think we've talked about the quantitative scale of this, which is why I was like, ooh, this would be good to, to talk more about. So one of the ways that they define thriving is by the best possible life scale. And we have talked about and Mm. asked listeners to share with us what a best possible life looks like and what are maybe some life-limiting things that are, you know, preventing you from getting there, right? What are your limitations and what are the narratives you're speaking into your life that are preventing you from getting to the best possible life? What I really like about this is it makes you evaluate currently where you're at and then actually what it does is it feature casts and potentially builds hope um, because it asks you to think about your future. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, before I really get into that, one of the things that I really loved um, in their executive summary of this before it gets into the details, they said, Gallup says on page seven of their report, despite the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, it seemed hope never died. Wow, what an echo to Dr. Shane Lopez. Although there is a wide range of percentages of thriving employees across regions, as the best possible life data shows, even amidst their struggles, most could see that their future was brighter than their present. For much of the world, hope for the future stayed about the same compared to 2019, which is crazy because almost everything, all of the negative things pretty much increased, all of the positive things pretty much dropped. But to know that hope stayed consistent throughout a global pandemic was incredible and so one of the ways like i said that they evaluate the con- coming up on five years coming up on five years mm-hmm. july will be five yep five and i just years. think mm-hmm. and yet legacy legacy mm-hmm. the legacy that he has yeah. left with those of us who believe in study no hope makes yeah. a difference is just yeah. incredible that future casting all that language mm-hmm. that's his language mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it totally is it totally is so this um the idea of the best possible life scale is one of the ways that um gallup operationalizes the concept of thriving um what they find is that thriving employees report significantly fewer health problems, less worry, less stress, less sadness, less depression and anger, and more hope, energy, happiness, interest, and respect. What they found, though, in this um, in this global um, you know global research initiative, is that only 32% of employees are at a level of thriving, which is very sad. Um, they use the word abysmal a whole lot. Um, abysmal um, a whole lot in the report um, and um, to describe uh, basically the stats uh, the disengagement the lack of thriving um, in in the world globally okay so the best possible life scale is a two-part question and it assesses how people feel about their lives currently and what to expect in their lives in five years so how we go about doing this um, is that you imagine a ladder Uh, A ladder with steps numbered 0 to 10, with 0 on the bottom and 10 on top. 
Suppose that the top of the ladder represents your best possible life and the bottom represents your worst possible life. Again, zero to 10 is the scale. On which step of the ladder would you say you personally feel you stand at this time? I know I either. Are you asking? Are you asking me? I was walking us through it, but I also think we should pause and reflect on that. And then we have to say why. Gallup doesn't ask that because primarily quantitative researchers, so they ask this on a zero to 10. Who's going first? You. Of course. Uh, it's a good day. I mean, you could have caught me maybe on a different... I'm going to say eight. Mm, wow. And I'll tell you why. I am getting so solid in my footing. Um, mm. I'm crafting a life that I've wanted. I'm choosing for myself. I'm... A, I'm like a almost like a lab coat experiment in what is important for my well-being who is important in my I mean who what do I want to surround myself myself with um, but so every morning I do meditation and I close meditation every morning with this quote from Golda Meir which is trust yourself create the kind of self that you would be happy to live with all your life make the most of yourself by fanning the tiny inner sparks of possibility into flames of achievement. And I, you know, we're halfway point in the year. It's funny that this comes up today because I've been thinking about, I want to write a, I have not written on my personal blog in a while. And I wanted to write about, you know, I'm at the halfway point of my year of the muse. Like, what have I gotten done? You know, where do I feel like I've accomplished? Have I honored that? And holy crap, have I gotten a lot of things done. Mm. It's just reflecting of the things that I've tried and accomplished already was really mind-blowing and I don't know that I've ever felt that accomplished but maybe it was because I wasn't doing it just for me my accomplishments were so centered in someone else's achievement or someone else's needs that these accomplishments have been solely mine like to take a, a trail running class and be able to run six miles up and down a canyon um it's a big deal to me and being able to to do that to have already gone to two red rock shows Mm -hmm. to have established myself in so many different ways on my own the things that i've done organizationally for my job a lot has happened in six months time i've been in colorado now nine months in six months of this 2021 year i feel like I've accomplished more than I have in many years past. And maybe it feels that way because it's my choices and me really discovering what that Golda Meir quote means. Mm -hmm. Creating the kind of self that you'd be happy to live with. It's, it's becoming part of me. I'm really leaning into trusting myself and saying, I'm still figuring stuff out and I don't have to have, there's no end date. There's no, so bizarre that I think I wrote this today, keep going and allow things to unfold, but you know what works and what doesn't. Explore and experience. You're nowhere ready for anything, but yet you know that the right things come along when they're supposed to. It's just, I'm forever in practice, but I'm so thriving in practice. So I would say an eight, catch me tomorrow and I might lower it. Oh my gosh, I know <laughs> Surprising how high that is. That's awesome. That's so great. Feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good. Um, I would say I am probably at a six and a half. Um, dismal. <laughs> dismal. Um, a dismal. Um, I, I mean, I'm like, I know that it will look a little differently in the fall. I just think they're so... I'm just stressed. Like there's a lot to get done and I am grateful that I have people and things that are pulling me back to the present that help me celebrate in this. I think I'm just, yeah, there's a lot to get done mostly work-wise before I leave. There's a lot that I've been tasked with that doesn't feel possible to me um, before my departure and I think that's hard. 
um, because I want to lead well and I want to get done all I'm being asked mm-hmm. to get done, but it just does not feel possible and that just stresses me out. Um, and yeah, so I think that's, I mean, summer is always a hard time for me because there's always a ton of work to do trying to turn around data from the school year, but it just is that much more with an entire database migration and things like that, that I've been asked to do. Um, I want to ask a hard question. Okay. Okay. If you took that component out, the workload, the current workload, seasonal workload, but also end of your teammates time workload and the legacy that you want to leave and your integrity, mm-hmm. knowing that if you were to take that piece out, what would your level be? I mean, right, rationally, of course, it's going to be higher because that's, you know, I don't know that I, I, I feel the load physiologically. And so I don't know that I can truly answer that. I'm, you know, I don't know that I can put a number to it because I can't not feel the weight of it. And so I can, I can think back to times where I haven't felt the weight of workload, but that is like ancient history. It feels like in my mind. And so I think for me though, it is very much tied up into, like you mentioned, the words that you mentioned, identity, integrity, legacy. Um, somebody today that I have not known very long that is now a teammate's employee was like you're giving your baby of five years away like five years full-time seven years you know and and that is really hard and so I think there's grief in that and that is part of the physiological things that are happening to me that I just like I woke up with my neck completely locked the other day and so I had to like go to the doctor and you know things like that that I can just I know that it's because of carrying a lot of this which is hard which means that I don't have physical well-being or career well-being you know and so those sort of things are lower um than than they really are you know so I know um that they would be higher if I had the ability I also want to that mm-hmm. I want to pause you a second and I want to challenge you as I have been trying to do for myself as well if you were coaching you If you were coaching you, I'm about to what would you say? This podcast because I'm getting so mad at you. <laughs> you. Okay, I know you hate that question, but I know. But what I what I really think is important here is, and I've been saying this a lot, and it's as much as my own mantra. And part of the reason I think I'm an eight right now is I my identity is not my job. I am Allison Horn. My identity. My well-being, my persona, my existence, my legacy Mm -hmm. is not my job. And you and I would both coach and teach to that, yet I think we both have carried identity in our jobs. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use this in context of me so that I am hoping that you will not be mad at me for asking you to think about that. I made my identity be my kid's mom. Okay, for 20 some years, I, that was my existence. Thankfully, their dad and I got divorced or those two children would have been the most helicoptered human beings on this earth and they would be disasters right now. So we, we look at that with gratitude and the kids will say that too. They're like, thankfully, mom had to not parent us 24 seven and I had to learn that I was doing too much and my existence was so much about them. Not that that's a bad thing, but it is when it's out of balance. It is when you don't even know who you are. And that's what happened after their dad and I got divorced. I didn't know who I was. Then I put my identity in being somebody else's wife. And I've put my identity for 15 plus years in my job. I mean, I I am just starting to figure out what I would teach and preach, which is your being, your thriving is you as a person and your, your job is your, your identity. I talked to so many people who are just so wound up tight about work. And I'm like, but you're, you're not, you're not your job. You're, you're you as a human. And when I get really sticky about it, I like use their confirmation names because I know what those are. So I've done that a couple times this week. One of my friends, I'm like, you are. 
and not the title that you carry at your job. Mm -hmm. That can get toxic, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm also witnessing this kind of from afar because I'm in this rare unicorn season of freedom where I don't have, I mean, I just killed a plant. That's how that's going. That's how responsibility is going for me. The one plant that I wanted to see succeed is now dead. And yes. So I'm in this space of like total freedom. And I know that's, it's not fair for me to say this, but what I am saying is when I started to craft and think about the life that I want, I had to remove these labels on myself Mm -hmm. that were not necessarily Allison Horn. They were Mm -hmm. mom, trainer, sister, auntie, Mm -hmm. all just on the last session or last dialogue. That's how I describe myself. I wanted the labels and titles and you described yourself as the human. Mm -hmm. My, how the turns have tabled. My how the turntables, there you go, that's the right quote. My how the turntables, quote Michael Scott. Um, yes, no, I totally agree. I know that, right? I know that. But it's hard, right? And it's, for me, it's less about, it's integrity. Yeah, that's it. That's it's what integrity. it is. It's not. Because it's not about, like, I define myself not as, you know, the teammates research coordinator, right? That's, like, definitely not one of the, like, it's so much of my life. But, like, for me, it's about, yeah, for me, it's about who I, it's actually about who I am, not labels, and ensuring that that's the person that everyone gets. And it's hard because that person is intense and is 110% all the time and just not rest. And that kind of sucks, but that's my propensity as a full-blown aid to like give everything all the time and it means that there's not a lot of downtime and I don't rest well and I don't say no very well and all these things that I know about myself right but yeah so to me that what I'm struggling with and why I have maybe a lower best possible life score than I think yeah lower than you for sure in a relative sense but also lower than like you know I would think knowing I'm about to step into a dream actualized a dream come true in my life right it's because my integrity can't have senioritis knowing that I'm leaving like I can't just like I think step back and let things unfold if they're unfolding because I know all that needs to get done and because you have a high level of integrity yeah and that's it. So and when it you sucks. say I can't, it sucks all the yeah, time. <laughs> but it's, it's you, it's authentic you and you can't be anybody other than who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what would be good Tess, is we can make a note here and I'm saying this out loud so that it goes into your context brain, but maybe we should do a check in going, mm-hmm. yeah. you using this scale and the numbers each and every time we get together mm-hmm. on the podcast. You know, um, where are you today? Where are you today? What does your best possible life look like? Okay, there's a second part, though, to the scale, which is just your best guess on which step do you think you will stand in the future, say, five years from now? So as I mentioned, I can't do this. I can't do... The decision to move away from everything that I have known has been so significant that I cannot think ahead. It's, and at first I was really beating myself up for it. I was thinking there's something wrong with me that I can't future cast right now. But I realized the heaviness of the decision to move here and to change my life so significantly is enough. That's enough and I don't have to get ahead of myself. So I would hope that, you know, of course we would hope but five years from now, I'm going to be 51. And I don't know. I think I said this on the last episode, but if I didn't, I want to make sure I say it again. My running coach, she's so good. She would say, her name's Christy. She would say things like, you know why we run? It's because we can. 
And we're going to do it right now because we can. And yes, you might get tired. And yes, you're going straight uphill. And it might get hard. And so when it gets so hard that you can't do it anymore, you power hike. Okay? But if you can run, you run. And I that has settled into my brain in so many ways. I'm doing this because I can. I don't know what at 51 I will be capable of doing. Maybe more. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping I'm like doing triathlons and paddleboarding across rivers and doing all kinds of zany things. Mm -hmm. But I can't, it's, it is almost paralysis for me to future cast. I also think that I got burned on that. I got so burned on future casting that now my boundaries and my soul and my heart are like, absolutely not. We're not going there. That, that hurt you so bad that, nope, I'm just not gonna. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with just allowing things to unfold. So for you, oh, your rung? Yes, um, my rung. Um, well, five years from now, I'll be well into my 30s. Um, I know, eye roll, insert eye roll. <laughs> well, I'll be 32. Um, oh and God, I, <laughs> um, math is the worst, the worst, this is the worst math. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I will be 32 five years from now. I will have probably just graduated with my PhD and I will hopefully have a postdoc fellowship lined up to, live internationally and do research internationally for a year or two and or have been connected with a professorship position, tenure track professor position at a university um, somewhere, preferably East Coast. That's so what's that rung? What's that what's rung? number? Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's so conditional. I mean, I, it's like, I, it's the same thing. Like, so I have futuristic 33 out of 34, right? So I'm like, I have a really clear picture in my mind of what I want for the future, but it's hard to like live in that and believe in that. And so if, I mean, that rung would be, eight and a half, nine. Yeah, I would say. I, I, I think, it, not this episode, but I think episodes in the future is what would a 10 look like. Mm. And and are any of us in really willing to say it's a 10? Have, I don't have high enough positivity to Yeah, I don't either because I'm like to even believe that because I'm like life could always be better, right? Like, you know. So, I think just knowing and you know, let's I'll take this back to Shane. That's how we become hopeful. Mm-hmm. Is by dreaming about that. That's how we become, Im- improve our sense of yeah. well-being and improve thriving is by doing the future casting. And when I, mm-hmm. when I say that about how I was hurt and burned by it and my brain has stopped, it doesn't mean that I don't believe in it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it sure. just means that my soul needed a pause point to say, mm-hmm. you, you allowed someone to make you believe that the future would look like this. Yeah. And what I'm realizing now, and probably the reason I can say eight, is because I'm now mm-hmm. starting to own and recognize yeah. I will know and determine and choose yep, what, that, what those next steps look like. Um, I think that this is, uh, this is like, we should probably need a part two. Yeah, probably. On this. Yeah. Because I think we should dive deeper into their results. I would love yeah. to look at the state of the American workplace very uh-huh. specifically. Compare it, I think we need to dive into return to work, post-pandemic yeah. pressure. And then, um, and then there's this whole part, which is what I really wanted to get. So I love the best possible life stuff and the concept of thriving. And it's be, it being a new definition in conjunction with engagement as in terms of like great organizations, outstanding organizations, successful organizations. That's the word they use. There's this whole section, though, about daily negative emotions and the increase in very specific types of emotions in the workplace because of the pandemic and what the workplace looked like last year. And so, yes, that's like, I think, a whole other thing that I want to talk about. So, yes, because we are well into our time already, that's probably a good place to wrap up. So 
when we think about action items for this episode, um, I think that really, you know, download the, the state of the global workplace if you want to dig into some of the data, see what some of their findings are. It's free and available. Um, you know, it's the it's Gallup State of the Global Workplace 2021 report, and I can link it. I'll link it in kind of the show notes that come along with the, the description of the show so anyone can sign up and grab that if they want to. Um, you have to like sign up and then you get an email with the PDF that you can download just as an FYI. So you don't just go to a site to grab it. You have to submit your info and then they'll send you the report in a PDF. Um, so take a look at that. And then, um, you know, I love that we've gotten to hear from some people what their best possible life looks like already. And so I'd be curious for those who have already kind of shared some of that with us based on episodes that we've done a while ago on that topic, but also those who maybe haven't shared their best possible life with us, where would you put yourself on this scale? I would love to know why, but that's always my question that supplements any what, who, when, or how questions that I have because I lead number one with context. So I'm always going to ask you why, um, but you don't necessarily need to respond that, but maybe um, if you don't want to, I'd love to hear it. But really responding to these two questions on a, on a ladder from zero to 10, where zero is at the bottom, um, the worst possible life for you, and 10 at the top is the best possible life for you, where would you put yourself now? And based on your best guess, where would you put yourself five years from now? So that's it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in episode 86 of Jen and Millie. We appreciate the fact that you tuned in with us today. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Um, I don't remember all this off the top of my head. I'm trying to do it off the top of my head. I'm getting it into my head. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Stop. Pause. Uh-huh. Heart. I still won't because I'm still in my head. I function in my head, though. You know I can't function in my heart okay. very well. Hands here. Hands here. Hands here. Hands here. Now try. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to episode 86 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. Um, We'd love to hear the responses to the question that we posed in this episode. Uh, The best way to reach us to share your responses is by uh, following us on Instagram. That's at Jen and Millie, at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Starman and may not reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program at large. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Until next time. Mm -hmm.